نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead Him astray, and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide Him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that He has no partners or associates. And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. This morning, b'ithnillahi ta'ala, we would like to continue our discussion and brief explanation of the essay of Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, Al-Tamimi al-Najdi, rahimahullah, entitled Adillatu Shuroot. La ilaha illallah The evidences of the conditions of La ilaha illallah The shahada of La ilaha illallah In the previous uh, two lectures we discussed the first two shuroot or the first two conditions of the shahada of La ilaha illallah and we said that uh, that they are number one al-ilm that the person has to have knowledge of the meaning of this statement of La ilaha illallah, including what it negates and what it affirms. It negates worship to other than Allah in the first part of the statement, La ilaha, and it affirms worship for Allah alone in the second part of the statement, Illallah. As for the second condition of the shuroot of La ilaha illallah, it is Al-Yaqeen. And Al-Yaqeen, certainty, it means Kamal al-ilm, the perfection of knowledge, yani having total, complete certainty of the statement of La ilaha illallah without having any doubt after knowing this reality or this truth. The third of the conditions of La ilaha illallah that we want to discuss this morning it is al-ikhlas, al-munafi lishri. Al-ikhlas purity or sincerity of worshipping Allah alone, giving the pure worship, everything that is worship for Allah and Allah alone, that worship is exclusively for Allah. And this ikhlas, offering the worship to Allah alone, this is that which negates a shirk. It nullifies and removes a shirk. Al-ikhlas, it nullifies and removes shirk. Whoever worships Allah alone would be free from a shirk or worshipping other than Allah. <coughs> Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah mentions a number of evidences from the Quran and from the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which are evidences proving the correctness of al-ikhlas as being a condition for the acceptability and the correctness of someone's profession or testimony of la ilaha illallah. The first of those evidences he said, Dalil al-Ikhlas, the evidence for the condition of al-Ikhlas, Qawluhu Ta'ala is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ala lillahi 
had seen Al Khalid. And this is mentioned in Surah Al Zumar, chapter 39, verse 3. <clears throat> isn't it so, isn't it true that the Deen Al Khalid, the pure Deen, that is Al Ibadah and Al Fa'a, that all worship and obedience, that it belongs to Allah alone? Allah isn't it so that the pure deen, all worship and obedience belongs to Allah alone? And then he mentioned as a second evidence the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Bayyina chapter 98 verse 5 وَمَا أُمِرُوا That they have not been commanded. Yani in the previous Sharia or Sharia, the revelation, the, the legislation that have been revealed to the previous prophets, likewise they were not commanded with anything more important except that which we have been commanded with in the revelation in the Quran and the Sharia that has been revealed to the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, and that is that we worship Allah alone. لِيَعْبُدُ اللَّهِ To worship Allah alone. مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ Yani making the deen purely for him alone. That is avoiding uh, associating any partners with him. Al-Ikhlas. مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ Yani confirming and establishing ikhlas in the deen. Yani in the worship and in obedience that it should be for Allah alone. Hunafa. Yani turning towards Allah and turning away from everything other than Allah. Inclining towards a tawheed and turning away from a shirk. This ayat also is a clear evidence of al-ikhlaq as a condition for the correctness of the statement of la ilaha illallah that we have been commanded and likewise the previous nations have been commanded with nothing more important than to worship Allah alone and to have ikhlaq in the deen for Allah being inclined towards him and being inclined towards Tawheed and away from everything that contradicts it. The third evidence that he mentions were min sunnah and from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, al-hadith al-thabit al-sahih, the confirmed hadith which is reported in the sahih of al-Bukhari and Abi Hurairah radiyallahu anhu, and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal, as'adu al-nasi bi shafa'ati man qala la ilaha illallah khalifan min khalbihi aw min nafsihi. The Prophet وسلم, in this hadith reported on the authority of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu he said that the most fortunate of people who will receive my shafa'a, my intercession meaning on Yawm Qiyamah the most fortunate of people who will receive my intercession من قال لا إله إلا الله will be the one who said لا إله إلا الله من خلبه, but saying it sincerely from his heart أو من نفسه أو from or from his soul from his inner being. Yani the most fortunate of people will be those who receive the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ on Yom and they are those who said لا إله إلا الله خالصا من خلبه. Yani the one who has made this statement sincerely from his heart or from his soul. And likewise, the scholars made clear that a shafa'a on Yom Qiyamah. The shafa'a that is mentioned here, it is the shafa'a that has been rejected by those deviant 
groups who didn't accept the idea that people who committed major sins that they might be forgiven or that they might be interceded for and come out of the hellfire. And this uh, hadith it is in reference to those who have committed kabair, major sins, from which they didn't repent. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would punish them for their sins, but the Prophet sallallahu would intercede for them. This is what is intended in this hadith, that the most fortunate of people will be those who deserve to be punished for their sins that they committed without repenting from them, the major sins which they committed without repenting from them, and the Prophet ﷺ would intercede for them due to their statement of La ilaha illallah being stated, pronounced sincerely with, with ikhlas. The fourth evidence that the Imam mentioned was ابن مالك رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال يعني it has also been reported in the Sahih of Al-Bukhari from Iqban ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he said and it is in a long hadith here the Imam has mentioned the part of the hadith which is of significance the point that is relevant to our discussion the shahid in this hadith he said it is the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam إِنَّ اللَّهَ حَرَّمَ عَلَى النَّارِ مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ and that Allah has forbidden the fire to consume the one who says La ilaha illallah. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it haram, haram ala naq. He made it forbidden for the fire to touch or to consume the one who says La ilaha illallah with the condition that that person says this statement of La ilaha illallah seeking the face of Allah. يعني من قال لا إله إلا الله يبتغي بذلك وجه الله يعني that the person is seeking or desiring the intention behind saying the statement that they are seeking the wedge of Allah the face of Allah عز وجل and this is this this is the point here that is of significance that the person makes the statement يبتغي بذلك وجه الله that they are uh, making the statement with the intention of seeking the face of Allah Meaning, seeking the reward from Allah, seeking the pleasure of Allah, yani mukhlisan lillah, seeking the face of Allah. What is behind this statement? It is that the person has said it sincerely with ikhlas as a mukhlis, saying it for the pleasure of Allah, for the sake of Allah. And also in this hadith, there is confirmation or ifbat of the sifa, the characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah has a face. And this, the clear meaning of this statement is that Allah has a face. Seeking the face of Allah, it confirms that Allah has a face. And the face is confirmed for Allah in innumerable hadith as well as in uh, the text of the Qur'an. So here we have confirmation of the sifa of wedge for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, the meaning behind this expression, seeking the face of Allah, is that a person does it purely for the sake of Allah. And whoever does so, then from that which they would receive as a reward is that they would actually see the face of Allah and that would only be for the believers. And the greatest of rewards that the people would receive in paradise is to see the face of Allah. So whoever does whatever they do sincerely for the face of Allah and is seeking the face of Allah, it means that they have done it sincerely and mukhlisan with Allah. The fifth evidence that the Shaykh mentioned, وَلِلنَّسَاءِ فِي الْيَوْمِ 
والليلة يعني عمل اليوم والليلة that الإمام النسائي رحمه الله mentions in his book the actions or the deeds that one performs in a day and a night من حديث رجلين من الصحابة it is reported from two people two men from amongst the companions of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that he said من قال لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير مخلصا بها قلبه يصدق بها لسانه إلا فتق الله لها السماعة فتقا حتى ينظر إلى قائلها من أهل الأرض وحق لعبد نظر الله إليه أن يعطيه سؤاله uh, in this hadith it is reported that the Prophet وسلم, said that whoever says la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah that there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners lahu al-mulk wa lahu al-hamd for him is the kingdom and for him is the praise wa huwa ala kulli shayin qadir and he has power over everything whoever says this statement mukhlifan biha qalbuhu while his heart is sincere in accordance with that statement وَيَصْدُقُوا بِهَا لِسَانُهُ And his tongue is truthful in making that statement. He said, no one would say such, إِلَّا فَتَقَ اللَّهُ لَهَا السَّمَاءَ فَتْقًا Except that Allah would open, make an opening in the sky, in the heavens. He would make an opening such that he would look through it at the one who has made this statement from the people of the earth. And it is the right of his servant, if Allah looks at him, that he should be given what he has asked for. And in this hadith is a confirmation of the importance of the statement of La ilaha illallah and particularly and that this statement requires ikhlaq, mukhlisan biha khalbuhu that his heart should be saying it sincerely. Uh, however, as the shari, the explainer of this brief essay, Sheikh Ubaid al-Jabri, hafidhullah, may Allah protect and preserve him, mentions in his discussion this hadith is not a confirmed hadith. It is not, it doesn't have a strong chain, but its chain contains some weaknesses due to which we cannot accept it as a proof. However, its meaning is acceptable because the meaning is supported and the meaning of the condition of the class is supported because it is proven by other evidences. However, the general meaning of this hadith is that Allah would make an opening in the sky and look at the one who makes the statement and that the one who Allah looks at should be given whatever he asks for. This statement is not confirmed since the chain of narration, the isnad of the hadith is not sahih. Uh, in any case, after this, the explainer of the essay, Shaykh Ubaid Jabari, Hafidhullah, he says, the saying of the author, Imam Muhammad ibn Wahhab, al-Ikhlas, he said that al-Ikhlas linguistically it means tasfiya, tasfiya, yani to purify something, to remove whatever is uh, corrupt or whatever is spoiled or whatever is not good to remove it, to purify something from whatever should be removed from it. This is the linguistic meaning of al-ikhlas. As for the shari meaning in the sharia, the legal meaning in the deen, he said it is taqlis al-ibadah wa tasfiyatuha min sha'ibi sha'ibati al-shirk wa that the legal meaning of ikhlas it means to purify the worship to purify the worship and to free it from any corruptions 
the corruption of shirk and riya, and the corruption of associating something in that worship with Allah, or riya doing the worship, and it to be seen by others, to be seen by others. So, al-ikhlas, linguistically it means to purify something, but technically in the sharia, it means to purify one's ibadah, and to remove from it the corruption of shirk and riya, yani the corruption of, of sharing that worship with someone other than Allah, or doing it to be seen by others. Al-Imam Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, uh, says concerning the first evidence that Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has mentioned, Ala lillahi deen al-Khalis, isn't it so that the deen al-Khalis, the pure religion, is for Allah alone, that ibadah and ta'a, obedience, is for Allah alone. Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, says, the meaning of this statement, it means worship Allah alone and do not associate anyone with him and invite the creation, the creatures, invite the people to that, yani to Tawheed, to worshipping Allah alone and not associating any anything with him and inform them, yani Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir says that also from the meaning of this it means to inform them that the correctness of ibadah or the correct ibadah or ibadah is not really correct or acceptable except if it is given to Allah and to Allah alone yani any ibadah that is not offered to Allah or to Allah alone then it is not correct and it is not acceptable and he said also it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ibadah he has no sharik and no adil and no nadeed and he doesn't have any partner or anyone who is equal or like him or similar to him and for this reason, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, and as Hafiz al-Ibn Kathir continues, for this reason Allah said, Allah lillahi deen al-Khalis. And since Allah doesn't have any partner, and He doesn't have any equal, and He doesn't have anyone similar or like Him, for that reason He said, isn't it so that the deen is purely for Allah alone? Then al-Hafiz ibn Kathir mentioned a point which is of really great importance, and that is, He said, that no deed will be accepted unless it is done except unless the one who does that deed does it purely for Allah alone without associating any partner with him. And no action, no deed will be accepted unless the one who does it does it purely for Allah alone without associating any partner with him. Al ikhlas he said, Illa ma akhlasa fihi al lillahi wahdahu la sharika lahu. And otherwise the deed will not be accepted. And this is the first condition for the acceptance of any deed, that it has to be done with ikhlaq. It is not only for the statement of shahada, but it is for any deed. Here Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir makes it clear that this condition of ikhlaq is not only for the shahada, but it is for every act of worship or any deed that a person does. If they want to get a reward for it, they have to fulfill two conditions. And the first of them is what we are discussing here, al-ikhlaq. And the other of them is al-mutaba'ah. And that it has to be done in accordance, in following, in conforming with the practice or the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ, in accordance with the sunnah or in accordance with the sharia, al-mutaba'ah. And the first condition is ikhlas and the second condition is al-mutaba'ah. Uh, Al-Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi, the great scholar of our era, who was known particularly, but not exclusively, he was known particularly for his explanations of the Qur'an, the Shaykh says concerning this same matter and this ayat, he said that this ayat, it is a confirmation 
of the command that everyone must do whatever they do with ikhlas. The command for ikhlas, the order of ikhlas is confirmed in this ayat. And also, there is clarification in this ayat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala لَهُ الْخَمَالِ خُلُّهُ وَلَهُ التَّفَضُّلْ عَلَى عِبَادِهِ مِنْ جَمِيلِ الْوُجُوهِ That Allah, this, this ayat also confirms that perfection, all of it belongs to Allah alone. Perfection only belongs to Allah. There is no perfection for any creature. Perfection belongs to Allah alone. And likewise, giving freely of His bounties to His servants in every aspect. This is something that belongs to Allah alone. Allah is the only one who gives freely, totally to His servants in every way, in every manner or aspect. He said, Likewise, just as this is a fact that perfection belongs to Allah alone, فَكَذَلِكَ لَهُ الدِّينَ الْخَالِفَ الصَّافِ مِنْ جَمِيعِ الشَّوَائِرِ He said, likewise then, we know from this that the deen, the pure deen, the, the pure exclusive worship and obedience, it belongs to Allah alone, and it should be free of every type of defect or corruption. And the deen that is free from shirk and free from every type of corruption, it belongs to Allah alone. Here, the shaykh is using the argument that is found in the Qur'an in many places, that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Rabb, He is the creator and the provider and the one who is perfect, then He is the one who deserves to be worshipped alone. Since He is the only one who has perfection, then He is the only one who has the right to be worshipped. And this is a common argument in the Qur'an, that even those people who worship idols, they acknowledge that Allah is the only Lord and Creator, then the Quran, then Allah makes the argument in the Quran. If He is the only Creator and the Owner and the One who maintains the affairs, then He is the only One that deserves to be worshipped. Then He said that this Deen is the Deen. Hafiz ibn Sitiyah says this Deen is the Deen that Allah has chosen for Himself, and that He has chosen for the best of His creatures, and that He has ordered them with. And this Deen includes, it contains within it a ta'allu, yani worship for Allah alone, in love and in fear and in hope and in turning back to Allah and doing good deeds. That this worship, it belongs to Allah alone. Whether it is love, it belongs to, the perfect love belongs to Allah alone. And complete fear, it is only from Allah alone. And hope is in Allah alone. And turning back to Allah, returning to Allah by doing good deeds, al-inaba, it is for Allah alone. So, mahabba and khawf and raja and inaba, all of these things, uh, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered us with in purifying the deen and making it purely for him alone, means giving everything to him, whether it is love, hope, or fear, or otherwise. And it is through this command of this being that the uh, creatures, the servants of Allah, that they will achieve or realize that which is required of them. It is by worshipping Allah alone. And that is what will correct and reform the heart and purify the heart uh, without any shirk. With any meaning, not worshipping anything along with Allah. This is what will purify the people, purify their hearts and their souls, uh, as long as they don't worship or they don't associate anyone with Allah in their worship. Indeed, Allah is free from this, from shirk. Uh, Allah doesn't have anything to do with it. And this is the end of what uh, he wanted to quote from the statement of Al-Hafiz Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah. Or from the, I'm sorry, from the statement of Sheikh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi. Uh, 
Then the explainer, Sheikh Ubaid Jabri, Hafizullah, says, That which increases the clarity of what has been stated by these two great Imams, that is, Al-Imam Al-Hafiz Ibn Kathir and Sheikh Abdurrahman Al-Sa'di, what gives more clarity and certainty to what they have said is that which has been reported by Al-Imam Muslim, Rahimahullah, in his Sahih, on the authority of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu that he said qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala allah tabaraka wa ta'ala ana aghna ash-shuraka'i an ash-shirk ana aghna ash-shuraka'i an ash-shirk i am the most self-sufficient of associates yani free of need of having any association allah is the one of all those who have associates Allah is the one who is most self-sufficient and without need of having any associate. He doesn't have any need of shirk. Then he said, مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلًا أَشْرَكَ فِيهِ مَعِي غَيْرِي تَرَقْتُهُ وَشِرْكَهُ So whoever, since Allah has no need, he is self-sufficient, completely free of any need of any associate, of anyone being associated with him. Therefore, whoever does any action, and they have associated in that action, they have associated someone other than Allah with Allah, then Allah leaves them and He leaves their shirk. And He abandons that person and He abandons the act which they have done. Because Allah doesn't accept any deed that is done for Him if someone other than Allah is sharing in يعني, that act. If you share that act with anyone other than Allah, Allah doesn't accept it. He has no need of such. As for the, the saying of the author, the ayat that he mentioned from the second evidence that he mentioned, وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ دِينَ هُنَفَى يعني that you have not been commanded, or they have not been commanded with anything except to worship Allah. يعني making the deen purely for Allah alone, and inclining towards Allah and away from everything else, towards Tawheed, and away from Shirk. He said, as for this statement, the rest of the statement or the completion of the ayat is the statement وَيُقِيمُ الصَّلَاةَ وَيُؤْتُ الزَّكَاةَ وَذَلِكَ دِينُ الْقَيِّمَةِ yani That we have not been commanded except to worship Allah alone, making the deen purely for Him alone, with yani, inclination towards Tawheed and away from Shirk. And in addition to that, performing the prayers and fulfilling the zakat, وَذَلِكَ دِينُ الْقَيِّمَةِ And that is the straight and right deen. Yani, worshipping Allah alone, in addition to prayers and charity. Yani, not only worshipping Allah alone, but also performing the prayers and fulfilling the zakat. Al-Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'di, rahimahullah, in his explanation of this ayat, he says, وَمَا أُمِرُوا It means, Yani that the previous nations in the other Sharia, legal systems that were revealed to the Prophets, it means that they were not commanded in these previous systems except the same thing, to worship Allah alone, making the deen purely for Him. Yani mukhlisina lahu deen, ikhlas in the deen, he said, that a person intends by all of their ibadah, openly and inwardly, that they intend to seek the face of Allah, the wedge of Allah. And they intend to seek nearness to Allah. In every act that a person does, it means that they should seek the face of Allah and that they should seek to get near to Allah through that deed. Hunafa, he said it means turning away from and inclining away from 
the other deens, every other way of worship, every other philosophy, a way of life that opposes and contradicts the deen of Tawheed. Then he said, Shaykh Abdurrahman Sa'di, that he has specifically mentioned Salat and Zakat here in this ayat, even though they are already included in the statement, Liya'budullaha, yani to worship Allah. Salat and Zakat is worship. And so when you say to worship Allah alone, it already includes Salat and Zakat. He said that, however, they are mentioned specifically because of the excellence uh, of their status, of the status of these two acts of worship, Salat and Zakat, and the honored position of these two acts of worship, and that these two acts of worship, whoever fulfills them, then he has fulfilled that which is legislated in the deen. وَذَلِكَ دِينُ الْقَيِّمَةِ He said, ذَلِكَ it means, yani that is the true religion, he said it means, that refers to a tawheed a tawheed is the straight religion. And al-ikhlas in the deen. This is what he means by ذَلِكَ yani these two things, a tawheed and ikhlas that this is deen al-qayyimah. yani the deen al-mustaqim, the straight way or the right way, that leads to the paradise that leads to the gardens of paradise. And anything, uh, every other way, other than this way, al-deen al-qayyimah, every other way than this way, leads to al-jahim, the hellfire. Then the explainer, Shaykh Ubaid al-Jabari, Hafidhullah says, that in what we have mentioned of evidences up until this point, concerning the obligation of al-ikhlas, and what will come after this, in the rest of the discussion is a confirmation. That which the evidences that have been mentioned and that which will be mentioned, all of it is a confirmation of what the Shaykh Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab has mentioned concerning the fact that Al-Ikhlas is a condition, a required condition for the correctness of someone's statement. It will not be correct and it will not be accepted unless these conditions are fulfilled and from amongst those conditions is what we are discussing today, Al-Ikhlas. Then he says, as for his statement, وَمِنَ السُنَّ الْحَدِيثَ الثَّابِتِ الصَّحِيَّ عَنْ أَبِي هُرَيْرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ عَنَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ قَالْ أَسْعَدُ النَّاسِ بِشَفَاعَةِ مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ خَالِصًا مِنْ خَلْبِهِ أَوْ نَفْسِهِ He said, as for that which the author mentioned from the sunnah in the confirmed hadith in the sahih from Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu from the Prophet sallallahu meaning on the day of resurrection, the most fortunate of the people who will receive my intercession are those who say, La ilaha illallah khalisan min qalbihi. Yani sincerely with ikhlas from his heart or from his soul. He says, concerning this statement, the, the explainer says that this hadith is in the Sahih of al-Bukhari and it has been collected by other scholars as well and the expression as it came in Sahih al-Bukhari from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, is that he said, it was said to the Messenger of Allah. Yani the rest of the hadith, as is recorded in Bukhari, it was said to the Messenger of Allah, who would be the most fortunate of people to receive your intercession on Yawm al-Qiyamah? And the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَقَدْ ذَنَنْتُ يَا أَبَا حَرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ anhu, and لَا يَسْأَلَنِي عَنْ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ أَوَّلَ مِنْكَ and the Prophet ﷺ said, O oh Abu Hurairah, I was thinking that no one will ask me about this hadith before you. I was thinking that nobody would ask about it before you. Why? 
لما رأيت من حرصك على الحديث يعني it was due to the fact that I saw that you are eager in seeking the knowledge of hadith the Prophet ﷺ here confirms the excellence of Abu Huraira in seeking knowledge he says that I didn't think anybody would act about this before you because of your eagerness in seeking hadith and then the Prophet ﷺ made the statement which is our evidence for this discussion أَسْعَدَ النَّاسِ بِشَفَاتِ يَوْمُ قِيَامَةِ مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ خَالِصًا مِنْ قَلْبِهِ أَوْ نَفْسِهِ يعني when Abu Huraira asked him, it was Abu Huraira's question, who will be the most fortunate of people to receive your intercession on the day of Qiyamah? And the Prophet ﷺ said that it will be those who say La ilaha illallah, saying it sincerely from the heart or from their soul. And again, يعني keeping in mind that those who say La ilaha illallah sincerely, this will be يعني the favor of Allah upon them that the Prophet ﷺ would be allowed to intercede for them because of the sincerity of their statement of shahada. That means this statement of la ilaha illallah, if it is said sincerely, it has weight and it will enable uh, someone to receive the intercession of the Prophet And this is in reference to those people who will need that intercession because of the punishment that they deserve due to the kabair, the major sins that they have committed from which they did not repent in this lifetime. So here from this statement also we can say that من قال لا إله إلا الله indicates that it is a condition to pronounce the words of shahada, the two words of shahada. من قال whoever said it. That means that it doesn't mean whoever believes it in their heart. They are convinced that it is true, but it is a requirement to say it. And this is by agreement of the scholars of sunnah that a person who is able to speak must state, must pronounce the shahada in order for it to be accepted. Uh, also we should know the Sharia says here that the shafa'ah that is mentioned in this hadith it is the shafa'ah for Ahlul Kabair min al-Muwahideen and this shafa'ah is for the people who committed major sins from the people of Tawheed al-Muwahideen it's not for everyone but it is for the people who committed major sins from amongst those who died on Tawheed and this is the shafa'ah that has been rejected by certain groups of the people of Bid'ah, like the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila. And they have denied this shafa'ah. They said that whoever dies with major sins will be in the hellfire eternally. They will never get out of the hellfire. Al-Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Iskalani, rahimahullah, in his explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari, Khat al-Bari, concerning this hadith, he said, that perhaps Abu Huraira asked about this matter and he, who will be the most fortunate people to receive your intercession on Yom Qiyamah he said perhaps Abu Huraira has asked about this matter at the time when he heard the Prophet stating these words that is reported in another hadith that the Prophet said وَأُرِيدُ أَنْ أُخْتَبِئُ أَوْ أَنْ أُخْتَبِئَ دَعْوَةِ شَفَاعَةً لِأُمَّةِ فِي الْآخِرَةِ Yani that the Prophet ﷺ said, and that I intend, or I want to hold back, or to hide, or to conceal, or to reserve and save my da'wah, my supplication that will be answered by Allah. I want to reserve it as a means of shafa'ah, intercession for my ummah in the next life, in the akhirah. And in this hadith, it means what he has mentioned here is part of a hadith in which it is mentioned in some of the narrations that the Prophet ﷺ said, that every Prophet has an accepted uh, supplication, da'watun mustajabatun, that he will supplicate by. 
every prophet has a, supp- a special supplication that will definitely be answered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said, mine, that special, special supplication that I have, which will definitely be answered, I want to save it so that it will be a means of shafa'ah for my ummah on yawm al-qiyamah. So Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani, rahimahullah in Fasl al-Bari, says that perhaps Abu Huraira, when he heard this hadith, that the Prophet sallallahu is saving his special dua for the shafa'ah for his people in the next life, he said, who would be those fortunate people who receive your shafa'ah? And the Al-Hafiz, he says, and concerning this in the explanation of Fasl al-Bari, he said that the complete text of this hadith and the explanation of its wordings have already been explained in the beginning of the book of Da'awat, supplications. Uh, and he said that in some of the narrations of that hadith, it is also mentioned, Shafa'ati li ahl al-kaba'ir min ummati. Yani that the Prophet wasallam said, that my shafa'ah, my intercession, it will be for the ahl al-kaba'ir min ummati. Yani for the people who have committed major sins from my ummah. Yani meaning that his shafa'ah, it will be for those who have committed major sins from which they didn't repent. And if they died saying La ilaha illallah sincerely from their heart, then this is, these are the people whom his intercession will be for. Then the Shari Shaykh Ubaid al-Jabari, in his explanation of this brief essay, he says, in this way, or by, from, this, from this point it becomes clear uh, the correctness of the argument or the proof of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah their proofs and their argument concerning the confirmation of this shafa'ah, this intercession for the people who committed major sins, it becomes clear that their argument is correct and it also becomes clear of the incorrectness of the madhab of those who have opposed the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, meaning the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila, claiming that there is no intercession for the people who committed major sins. As for the statement of Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, uh, the evidence that he mentions the second hadith وفي الصحيح عن عطبان ابن مالك رضي الله عنه to the end of the hadith and in the hadith in which it is mentioned that Allah made forbidden on the fire to touch or to harm those who said la ilaha illallah seeking his face seeking the face of Allah he said as for this hadith he said that this hadith has been recorded by shaykhain and al-Bukhari and Muslim and it also has a story behind it. And the expression of the hadith or the words of the hadith as it came in Bukhari is that Itban ibn Malik radiallahu anhu was from amongst the Ashab Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam min man shahida badran min al-ansar. Yani that he was from the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who was from amongst those who had witnessed, who participated in the battle of Badr and he was from the Ansar, the helpers, the people of Medina who were in Medina when the Muslims migrated from Mecca to Medina. And he was an Ansari, and he was a Badri of those who participated in the Battle of Badr from amongst the companions of the Prophet And it is mentioned in that hadith, the story behind that hadith, that he came to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and he said to him that I have lost my eyesight. And I am the one who leads my people, and the people in his area where he lived, I am the one who leads my people in the prayer. So, if the rain fills the valley which is between me and them, yani the place where he lived and the people who he led in prayer, there was a valley between them. And if it rained and the valley became full with water, he said, I am not able to go to their masjid. 
in order to lead them in prayer. So I would love that, O Messenger of Allah, that you will come to me, meaning to his house, and that you will pray in my house, so that I will take that place where you pray as a musalla, as a place of prayer, meaning in the time when the valley is full of rain and he cannot go to the masjid to lead the people in prayer, then he will play, pray in that place in his home where the Prophet ﷺ prayed. So the Prophet ﷺ said, سَأَفْعَلُ Allah, I will do it, inshaAllah. Then it is said that Khatban, he said, radiallahu anhu, the messenger of Allah ﷺ and Abu Bakr, radiallahu anhu, came to me early in the morning and he sought permission, that is the Prophet sought permission to enter, so I gave him permission to enter. And he said he didn't sit until he entered the house. And then he said to me, Yani the Prophet said to Itbar ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, Aina tuhibbu an usalliya min bayti. Yani where would you like or where would you love or prefer for me to pray in your house? In which place should I pray? He said I pointed to an area or a corner of the house. So the Prophet stood and he made takbir, Allahu Akbar. And we lined up and prayed two raka'ah. And then he made taslim. And the Prophet ﷺ performed a prayer of two rak'ah in that place. And after completing the prayer, uh, anhu, he said that we held the Prophet ﷺ to take some food. Some food that was known as khazir. And a certain type of food. He said we had prepared that food and we held the Prophet ﷺ with us to take some food with us. And he said a large number of the men from the neighboring area gathered in his house at that time. And he it was known that the Prophet ﷺ have come, so the people gathered there uh, uh, to sit with the Prophet ﷺ. While they were sitting there, one from amongst the people said, Aina Malik ibn Dukhshun. They said, where is Malik ibn Dukhshun? And one of them said, Zalika munafiq, la yuhibbullah wa rasuluhu. So one of the people said, that one, he is a munafiq, a hypocrite, and he doesn't love Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this is the shahid or the point of the hadith. The Prophet sallallahu told him, Don't say that. Don't say such. Don't you see that he has said La ilaha illallah seeking by that seeking by that statement the face of Allah. Seeking the face of Allah. Don't you see that he has made the statement, he has pronounced the shahada of la ilaha illallah, seeking the face of Allah, meaning, saying it sincerely for the sake of Allah, that one said, Allahu wa rasuluhu a'lam, yani Allah and his messenger knows best. And then we said, yani they answered the Prophet wasallam saying, that we said, we see him uh, mixing with and advising the hypocrites, the munafiqeen, yani because they saw him mixing with the hypocrites, they said he is from amongst them. But the Prophet ﷺ responded to them by saying this statement which is the shahid of the hadith إِنَّ اللَّهَ حَرَّمَ عَلَى النَّارِ مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ يَبْتَغِي بِذَلِكَ وَجْهَ اللَّهِ And that indeed Allah has made forbidden, has made haram upon the fire that it touch whoever says لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Seeking by that, and he's seeking by that statement of لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ the face of Allah. Whoever says La ilaha illallah, seeking the face of Allah, meaning mukhlisan, with ikhlas, saying it sincerely for the pleasure of Allah, for the sake of Allah, for the face of Allah, whoever says so, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it forbidden for that person to enter, uh, for the hellfire to touch them.
Uh, the Shari, the explainer of the essay, he says here, Tahrim Nawan. Yani the Tahrim or the prohibition that is mentioned in this hadith, in Allah Haram al Nar, that Allah has made it haram, forbidden or prohibited for the fire to touch the one who says La ilaha illallah seeking the face of Allah. He said this Tahrim or the prohibition of the fire touching someone, he said it is of two types. Tahrim Nawan. Tahrim Dukul or Tahrim Khulud. There are two types of prohibition intended by this hadith. The first of them is tahrim dukhul. Yani the prohibition of entering the fire. And he said this is in reference to or it is the right of those people who died on tawheed غير مرتكب للكبائر ولا مصر على الصغائر. Yani the one who has died on tawheed and they have not committed major sins and they have not consistently committed minor sins. Yani they have avoided the commission of major sins and they have avoided continual commission of minor sins. If they have died on Tawheed and they have avoided these two things, he said this is the one who is prohibited. Tahrim al who will not enter Allah it Allah has made it haram for the fire to touch them. They will never enter the fire. However the other type of tahrim is Tahrim Khulud, Yani the prohibition of eternally being in the fire. And this is in reference to Usat al-Muwahideen. Yani the sinners from amongst the people of Tawheed. Who committed yani innumerable continuous minor sins. Or who committed major sins without repenting from them. He said this is in reference to them. The tahrim, the prohibition of the fire touching them means tahrim khulud. Yani not that they would never enter the fire. But it means that they would not remain eternally in the fire. And this is very important to keep in mind. That the tahrim in this ayat for whoever says la ilaha illallah seeking the face of Allah doesn't mean that whoever says so sincerely that they would never be touched by the fire. But if they avoid the major sins and if they avoid continuously engaging in minor sins and they died on tawheed, then they would be prohibited from being touched by the fire. However, if they engaged in sins and they didn't repent from them, then they would be prohibited from permanently residing in the hellfire. However, those who committed these sins from amongst the people of Tawheed, they might be punished in the fire. Allah might forgive those hadith about which there is no question concerning their authenticity due to the fact that they have been narrated through so many different chains of narration and the hadith of al-shafa'a are such. And the hadith of al-shafa'a in reference to the Ahlul Kabayah, yani it is in reference to those of the people of Tawheed who died without repenting from their major sins. As for the statement of Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, من قال لا إله إلا الله, yani that which is mentioned in the hadith, من قال لا إله إلا الله, uh, he said that this means the one who expresses the words of shahada, the one who expresses it on their tongue, saying la ilaha illallah, and he said it is of necessity that we should know that this saying is muqayyid, yani it is defined, it is not absolute and undefined. And this has been previously mentioned in the hadith of Abu Huraira. In the previous lecture when we discussed the shart, al-shart uh, al-thani, the second condition of yaqeen, we said that, uh, that this saying, la ilaha illallah, it is not absolute, but it has conditions, it has restrictions. And from amongst those conditions are the condition uh, of certainty, and here what we have discussed this morning, the condition of ikhlas. Yani this statement of la ilaha illallah is not meant to be in the absolute sense. 
but it is defined as having conditions and from amongst those conditions are the conditions which we have mentioned. As for the saying in the hadith, يَبَتَغِي بِذَلِكَ وَجْهَ اللَّهِ He said seeking by that he means seeking or hoping for. Whoever says this statement, seeking or hoping for, uh, hoping for the reward of Allah or, the, or to see the face of Allah. He said this is what is meant by يَبَتَغِي بِذَلِكَ And whoever intends or hopes by this statement of La ilaha illallah to uh, see the face of Allah. As for his statement, Wajh Allah, the face of Allah, he said this is a confirmation of Sifat al-Wajh lillahi, yani that this confirms the characteristic or the Sifa of face for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Shahid or the point of reference in this hadith is that seeking the face of Allah, it means it indicates that it is a condition, a shart. Uh, for the, the pronouncement of the shahada that it has to be pronounced with ikhlas, sincerity for Allah alone. This is the meaning. This is the meaning intended by the expression yabatari bidalika wajh Allah. Seeking the face of Allah means pronouncing that word of shahada sincerely for Allah alone. Likewise, he said that this uh, hadith also indicates other ahkam, other rulings, and from amongst them from the other rulings that may be derived from this hadith is the prohibition of Ahlu al-Tawheed al-Khalis Tahreem Ahlu al-Tawheed al-Khalis al-Nar Yani that the people of pure Tawheed that they would be prohibited from the fire however we should know that this Tahreem in this hadith and the hadith of similar meaning are not in the absolute sense but they are conditional Yani conditioned with the conditions of the sharut of la ilaha illallah and is that the prohibition of being touched by the fire is conditional Sheikh Sulaiman ibn Abdullah the descendant of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab in his explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed his explanation entitled Taysir al-Aziz al-Hamid in that explanation he mentions this hadith and in the explanation of this hadith he has uh, transmitted a long statement from Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and the essence of that statement is that La ilaha illallah it is a reason or a cause for a person to enter the paradise and in the essence of what he said is that the statement of La ilaha illallah is a sabab al jannah wal najat min al-nar it is a cause for a person to enter paradise and to be saved from the fire and it is also it also necessitates this and this statement necessitates that a person should enter the paradise and be saved from the fire. However, the necessity of entering the paradise and being saved from, by, from the fire, that this is not so unless the other conditions are fulfilled and the prohibitive factors are negated. And he said, Al-Muqtada, that which is necessitated by the statement of La ilaha illallah entering the paradise and being saved by the fire, Al-Muqtada la ya'amal amalahu illa bi ijtima'i شُرُوتِهِ وَإِنْتِفَاعِ مَوَانِعِهِ يعني that this it will not necessitate a person being saved from the fire and entering the paradise it will not act in this way it will not fulfill its function unless all of the other conditions required for entering the paradise are brought together are also fulfilled and that the prohibitive factors that prohibit a person from entering the paradise that they also have to be removed they have to be negated and he said that the acting 
you know, the function of this statement of La ilaha illallah uh, may be delayed if some of the conditions are not met or if some of the prohibitive factors of entering the paradise are present. If there are prohibitive factors that pre- prohibit a person from entering paradise, then this statement will not be able to act uh, in the way that we understand that it will be a cause for a person entering the paradise. Meaning here, he said that the conditions, the other conditions also have to be joined with it and the prohibitive factors have to be avoided, have to be eliminated. It is for this reason that it was said to Al-Hasan that verily the people are saying whoever says La ilaha illallah will enter the paradise. Any, anybody who says La ilaha illallah will enter the paradise. Al-Hasan, rahimahullah, he said Man qala La ilaha illallah fa'adda haqqaha wa And he said, no, it is not like that. But it is whoever says La ilaha illallah and who has fulfilled the rights of La ilaha illallah and the obligations of La ilaha illallah, then that is the one who enters the Jannah. It is not just by words being pronounced, but La ilaha illallah has rights and it has obligations that also has to be fulfilled. And similar, similar is the statement of Wahab ibn Munabbi, rahimahullah, uh, when he was asked, أَلَيْسَ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ مِفْتَاحَ الْجَنَّةِ Isn't the statement of La ilaha illallah the key to Jannah, the key that admits a person to paradise? He said, بَلَا It is so. وَلَكِنْ مَا مِنْ مِفْتَاحٍ إِلَّا وَلَهُ أَثْنَانٍ He said, it is true that it is the miftah, the key of Jannah. However, there is no key except that it has to have teeth. The key has to have teeth. فَإِنْ جِئْتَ بِمِفْتَاحٍ لَهُ أَثْنَانٍ فُتِهَ لَكَ وَإِلَّا لَمْ يُفْتَحْ He said, so if you bring the key which has teeth, then it will be open. Otherwise, if your key has no teeth, it will not be open. And he means here to say that the miftah of Jannah, La ilaha illallah, it has teeth. And its teeth are the conditions of La ilaha illallah. So if somebody brings that key with its teeth, the conditions being fulfilled, it will open the paradise. However, if they bring that statement without any teeth, and without fulfilling its conditions, then it will never operate. It will not open anything. Uh, and this is indicated by the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made as a condition, or He has based the admittance into the paradise, He has based it upon al-iman and, and al-amal al-saliha. And entering into the paradise is based upon iman, conviction in the heart, as well as the extension of that, that iman, which includes the iman of the actions, righteous deeds. Uh, and likewise the Prophet ﷺ in the Sahihain al-Bukhari and Muslim in the hadith of Abu Ayyub radiallahu anhu, that a man said, O Messenger of Allah, inform us or inform me, akhbirni bi'amalin yudkhiluni al-jannah. Inform me about a deed which will admit me into the paradise. The Prophet ﷺ said, فَعَبُدُ اللَّهِ وَلَا تُشْرِكُ بِهِ شَيْئًا وَتُقِيمَ الصَّلَاةِ وَتُعْتِ الزَّكَاةِ وَتَصِلُ الرَّحِمِ The Prophet ﷺ said, that deed which will admit you to paradise, it is to worship Allah and not associate anything with Him and likewise to perform the salat and to pay the zakat and to keep good ties with one's relations. And likewise in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed in the hadith of Bishr ibn Khasatiyah, 
he said, I came to the Prophet ﷺ to give him the oath of allegiance. And he made as a condition, فَاشْتَرَطَ عَلَيَّ شَهَادَةٍ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولُهُ وَأَنْ أُقِيمَ الصَّلَاةِ وَأَنْ أُوْتِ الزَّكَاةِ وَأَنَّ حُجَّ حَجَّةِ الْإِسْلَامِ وَأَنَّ صُومَ رَمَضَانِ وَأَنْ أُجَاهِدَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ He said that I went to give allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ and he made as a condition to accept my allegiance that I testify that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah and that Muhammad ﷺ is his servant and his messenger and that I perform the salat and that I pay the zakat and that I perform the hajj of Islam, the obligatory hajj and that I fast in Ramadan and that I make jihad in the way of Allah. I said, O Messenger of Allah, as for these two, Wallahi, I am not able to do them. That is al-jihad and sadaqah. I am not able to do them. The Prophet ﷺ hold his hand and then he moved it. And then he said, فَلَا جِهَاد وَلَا صَدَقَةً فَبِمَا تَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةِ فَبِمَا تَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةِ He said, without jihad and without sadaqah, then by what means will you enter the paradise? Then, he then. So I said, O Messenger of Allah, I give allegiance to you upon all of them, on all of them, yani all that you have conditioned, all that you have stated as a condition. And likewise, in this hadith, it is indicated that al-jihad and al-sadaqah are conditions for the entry into the paradise, along with realizing at tawheed and salat and hajj and siyam, and the hadith of similar meaning are many. Uh, and in the hadith, in this hadith, there is also an indication that it is not sufficient just to have conviction, the iman which is conviction in the heart. Uh, and it is not sufficient for iman that a person merely pronounces the statement on their tongue without the conviction that is in the heart, and the opposite is likewise. And it is not sufficient to have the conviction in the heart without pronouncing it. It is not sufficient to pronounce it without having conviction in the heart. Meaning that Iman and the Shahada that is accepted, it requires to have conviction in the heart in addition to pronouncing it on the tongue, in addition to acting in accordance with it, such as Salat and Zakat and Siyam and so on. Also in this hadith is an indication of the prohibition of the fire and it touching the people of Tawheed, Tawheed al-Kamil, who have the complete Tawheed, meaning avoiding all types of shirk and so on, and ma'asiyah and bid'ah and so on. And also in this hadith, uh, is that a deed, there will be no benefit from it if it wasn't done khalisan lillahi ta'ala, if it wasn't done purely for the sake of Allah alone. This is the end of the statement of Shaykh Suleiman, the descendant of Shaykh Muhammad ibn al-Wahhab in his book, in his explanation to Kitab al-Tawheed, Tashir al-Aziz al-Hamid. The, the final statement that we have here is in reference to the last evidence, the fifth evidence, the hadith reported by An-Nasai in Amal al-Yawm wal-Layla from the hadith of two men to the end of the hadith yani, uh, in that hadith it is mentioned that whoever says this statement sincerely for the sake of Allah that Allah will open a hole in the sky and look down to the one from the people of the earth who are making this statement of La ilaha illallah to the end of that hadith he says Shaykh Ubaid al-Jabri said that in the isnad or the chain of narratives of this hadith are two narratives, Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Maymun and Ya'qub ibn Asim ibn Urwa ibn Mas'ud and Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani says concerning each of these two narratives that they are maqbool. Maqbool, it is known in the 
Mustalah or the technical terminology of Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani uh, concerning the narrators of hadith and their credibility that when he says a narrator is maqbool it means that if there is nobody supporting what he has narrated then he is layin al-hadith meaning that his hadith has weakness if he is not supported by anyone else when Al-Hafiz says maqbool it means he is acceptable if he has somebody supporting him otherwise if nobody supports what he has narrated then his hadith is weak for this reason, the author, the Sheikh says that this hadith is weak and I have not found any shawahid or mutabi'at, yani other narrations that might support this narration and strengthen it. For that reason, this hadith is considered as weak, wallahu a'lam. And this is the end of what we wanted to discuss. Uh, quickly, we can look at the handout and the questions at the end of the handout. The first of them, uh, discuss al-shart al-thalith the third condition of la ilaha illallah and mention the previous two shurut briefly and in the third condition of la ilaha illallah it is al-ikhlas al-munafi lil-shirk yani it is uh, sincerity which negates shirk worshipping Allah exclusively and not associating anything with him as for the two previous conditions they are ilm al-yaqeen the knowledge of the meaning of la ilaha illallah and the negation of worship other than Allah while affirming for Allah alone and al-yaqeen, the perfection of knowledge which negates any doubt the second uh, question mentioned a dalil or evidence from the Qur'an for this shart or this condition from amongst the evidences that the shaykh mentions is ala lillahi deen al-khalis yani in Surah Al-Zumar chapter 39 verse 3 isn't it so that the deen is purely for Allah alone meaning worship and obedience and likewise the ayat in Surah Al-Bayna chapter 98 Verse 5. Question 3 mention a dalil or evidence from the Sunnah for this shart or condition. And the evidences that he mentioned from the Sunnah are many from amongst them is the hadith of Abu Huraira, recorded in the Sahih al Bukhari, Asadun Nasi bi Shafa'ati min khala la ilaha illallah, khalisan min khalbihi aw nafsihi. And is that the most fortunate of people, meaning on Yawmu Qiyamah, who received my intercession of those who said la ilaha illallah, sincerely from their heart or from their soul. Number four, Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir mentions ikhlas as a condition for the acceptance of any deed. What is the other basic condition for acceptance of deeds? The other condition is al-mutaba'ah, yani following strictly or adhering to or complying with the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The fifth question, what is the argument used by Shaykh Sa'adi for the right of Allah to should be to be worshipped alone, the right of Allah to be worshipped alone. Uh, the argument that he uses is that as long as we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who is perfect and he is the one who has given freely to his servants everything that we have it is from Allah. Then likewise if that is all from Allah then worship also should be given only to Allah. Question number six. Discuss the verse and they were commanded not but that they should worship Allah and worship none but Him alone and to perform the salat and the zakat and that is the deen al-qayyimah. And in this ayat what we wanted to discuss in it is the fact that it is not sufficient or that worship, worshiping Allah alone of the important aspects of the worship it is a salat and zakat. That worshipping Allah alone, even though it includes salat and zakat, uh, Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, has mentioned, or Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'di, pardon me, has mentioned that 
even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ And this worship includes all types of worship. However, he has singled out for mention, for mentioning salat and zakat to show the excellence and the high status of these two acts of worship. Therefore, we should know that even though they are originally included in the expression worshipping Allah alone, sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions something which is a subdivision or a part of something else in order to bring out its excellence. And this is what we find in innumerable verses in the Qur'an when Allah mentions, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمَلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ those, Verily those who believe and do good deeds. Doing good deeds is a part of Iman. It is a part of Iman. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the doing of good deeds after mentioning Iman, not because it is something separate, but to show the importance of this part of Iman, which is doing good deeds. And Iman is not just conviction in the heart, but it also includes the doing of good deeds. Question number seven. Uh, the most fortunate of people who receive my shafa'ah, who are these people? And the people who will be most fortunate to receive the shafa'ah of the Prophet وسلم, are those who say, La ilaha illallah khalisan min qalbihi. And those who say it sincerely with ikhlas, and it means that they are the people, uh, the Ahl Kabair from the people of Tawheed. It is those who have died having committed major sins from which they didn't repent, but they died on Tawheed. They are the ones who will receive the intercession of the Prophet And the people of Tawheed who stated sincerely, La ilaha illallah, uh, but they have committed some major sins from which they didn't repent. Question number eight. Uh, Allah has forbidden the fire upon one who says, La ilaha illallah, to the end of that hadith. Uh, mention the two types of forbidden. The tahreem of the fire touching somebody who says La ilaha illallah sincerely, seeking the face of Allah. Uh, what is what is what are the two types of tahreem? The first of them is tahreem dukhul, and the second of them is tahreem khulud. Tahreem dukhul, the first one is, is in reference to the people who have died on tawheed without having committed major sins and without consistently engaging in minor sins. This is the first type of tahreem that they would never enter the hellfire. It would never touch them. And the second type of tahreem is tahreem khulud. This is for the sinners who died without repenting from their major sins, but they died on tawheed. The prohibition here is the prohibition of eternally remaining in the fire. Question number nine. What may be understood from the hadith? Seeking by this the face of Allah. Allah. What is understood from this hadith is two things. The first of them is the confirmation of the sifa of wedge. That face is a confirmed uh, a sifa for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, the second of that, what may, what may be understood from this is the condition of la ilaha illallah of ikhlas. Seeking the face of Allah by this statement, it means saying it for Allah alone. So these are two things that may be understood from this statement. The confirmation of the sifa of wedge for Allah face and also the condition or the sharf of ikhlas for the statement of la ilaha illallah. The last question, what was the statement of Wahab ibn Munabbi rahimahullah concerning the shahada of la ilaha illallah? And when he was asked, isn't it so that la ilaha illallah is the miftah al-jannah? He said indeed, bala. However, there is no key except that it must have teeth. So if you bring that key and it has teeth, it will be opened. Yani the door will be opened, the paradise will be opened. Otherwise, it will not be opened. And if you bring a key, a key without teeth, then it will not function. It will not open the doors of paradise. 
So everyone should know that the statement of La ilaha illallah it is the key to paradise. However, it will only function and open the doors of paradise for the one who fulfills its condition. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayhi.